Hi, I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. Hello everybody and welcome to Carrie's Corner. Today I've got a special guest in my studio. It's Lawrence von der Westhazen from Aronsuch Wines. Thanks for joining me. Thanks Carrie, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks you came you. all the way to Johannesburg, it's freezing cold. What are you doing here? Just launching some of your new vintages or what's up? Yes, I brought some of the newer wines up, some of my single vignette Aronsuch estate wines I've actually brought with me. I've got the Chardonnay 2021 and the Shiraz 2021. Well, before we even start looking at that, I know that all my listeners and viewers will want to hear about Lawrence, because Orensich has has developed sort of almost cult status in some circles in Johannesburg. There's some people who live and die and swear by Orensich and move from one vintage to the next vintage and can't wait for the release. Bonnie Vale. You come from Bonnyvale. I mean, whoever I knew about a cooperative in Bonnyvale when I first started working in the wine industry. Has your family had that farm forever and ever and ever? Yes, girl, I've been fortunate to be the fifth generation on the farm. So, I mean, I grew up with vineyards and fruit farming. And um, I would say, yeah, so I've been very fortunate in that regards. And obviously after... You know, growing up in, in, in Bonneville, um, I went to schools in Robertson and eventually ended up um, studying, you know, at Elsenburg. Okay. And once I completed my studies, I did some practicals at Linkalo and eventually ended up. Oh, did up, you? Yes, and eventually I ended up in America doing an internship there in wine. and um, Where did you work in America? Napa, Sonoma, it, where were you? It was actually in California in Santa Rosa and it was like a crush facility. So that was quite fun. Okay. And um, yeah, after that I spent some time in Burgundy in Bone. And, um, yeah, That's and why I, your Chardonnay is so delicious. Thanks. <laughs> Eventually, yes, I ended up back on the farm and yeah, with the help of my dad, we developed about 12 hectares specifically for, for Orensach, for the brain. And um, yeah, so, so the vineyards were planted in 2003. And um, and were there never vineyards on the farm before that? There were, but unfortunately it was all produced more for cooperative use. Yes. So we delivered it to Langfewach Corp down the road. And um, yeah, so it was more, the focus was more bulk production. So yeah, I was the first generation changing that. That's quite exciting. That's amazing. So, and did you know from day one that you always wanted to be a winemaker? Well, I think it's more due to I wasn't a I was quite a naughty student, so I quickly realised <laughs> I like wine. You still quite a naughty so. boy. Nothing's changed. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, obviously that led to many tastings whilst we've been at Stellenbosch, and that's how it all basically grew on me. And um, yeah, so I fell in love. So, with have wine. you got a favourite grape? That's a, obviously a difficult question yes. because it's like, what's your favourite child? But I ask you because. You haven't got a huge amount of vine- of vineyard planted at Arendsich. It's very boutique and bespoke and and fancy schmancy. And what made you decide to plant Chardonnay? And what's your red that you planted? I've got Shiraz on the farm, but we also have some Bordeaux varietals like Cabernet yes. Sauvignon. Yes. And a small block of Sauvignon Blanc. Um, 
I think the Silvio Blanc was more planted due to my dad loves his Silvio Blanc. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, it's for me, it's actually, you know, it's not just about varietal. It's actually expressing my sight and terroir and, and yes. making wines with a sense of place. And, so and for you, Bonneville expresses which grape variety best? Well, if I have to say one of the varietals, it probably is Chardonnay. Yeah. I mean, places close by is like the Vetsoff or Valtefri yes. around the corner. You've got Silverthorn making some stunning Beautiful MCCs. bubbly. Bubbly yeah. is here also based on Chardonnay. And your Chardonnay is legendary. I mean, that's really, I have to be perfectly honest when I tell you that if I think Arendsich, I think Chardonnay. I can't really remember what your reds are like because I'm going to taste them when we finish doing this interview. I'm going to have a taste of, what did you bring? The Shiraz. The Shiraz. Yeah. Um, but your Chardonnay is absolutely legendary, and I think that's what everybody thinks about you for. What do you do? It's a single vineyard site, isn't it? Yes, it's a thing, single vineyard site, but I think what makes this wine special in our region is our concrete limestone soils, yes. and um, that normally you get on these Karua copies, and, and I mean, when we develop those vineyards, and I was fortunate that that was the type of soil I dug into. And, well, there's no soil. It's mainly scarly. It's, so, yeah, it is just And with like a lot show. of limestone. So the soil leans um, you to a wine that's got a lot of minerality, finesse, and elegance. Yes. That's quite unique. Um, in a way, you won't find that all over the show in no. South Africa. I always say that I think Donnie DeVette's Chardonnays are some of the most underrated Chardonnays in the world. I think that that whole Robertson sort of Bonnyvale area, they, you do produce some of the most beautiful Chardonnays because of that soil type. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, the perception of, if you look at Robertson as a valley um, from north to south, it's actually quite a long area stretch, stretching in yeah. between the Langeberg Refers on the end mountains. Mm-hmm. And with the Breed, basically, the Breed River splitting the valley in two sides. And down towards Bonneville, we're more southern Karua. So, so you got left bank and right bank. <laughs> almost right away. Um, but if you look at, you know, the, the soils there starts changing and you also, it's almost like in a little pocket where you get a lot of that southern influence as well. Yes. So, I mean, if, to take put things in context, I mean, from my farm to, it's a place like Wooster in the Bredekloof, is about almost 75 k's. Oh, really? If so I take, far. Yeah, and if I take, as the crow flies to the closest ocean, you're looking at 87 to 90 kilometers. Wow. So we almost But yet it remains quite cool. We, I mean, it's very cool in that valley, isn't Yeah, it? what happens, our climate is typically, you know, we've got that, um, we still classify it as Karua due to our low ra- ra- oh, annual rainfall. We yeah. only get 240 mils of rain. But it's more southern Karua bordering coastal. So, and the uniqueness of our climate is always so we've got best of both worlds. There's a big difference between day and night temperatures. So that leads to slower ripening. Yes, which is good. Yes. And I mean, even coming to my reds, I remember starting out with American background there where I did my internship. You know, the wines I always at the beginning went for these big, wines and you know they were in the way of extracted and was joked don't buy any orange before 2008 <laughs> so the newer ones you know i started understanding my terroir better and it's like yes. even the shana i mean you look at a shana for alcohol level of um close to 13 percent and the reds are the same you know it's under 14 percent alcohol so that tells you that we get optimal ripeness actually at quite a low Bulling or sugar. Mm. So explain to the listeners, because, you know, we can sit here and talk and shoot the breeze about this rubbish all day, but it's quite confounding for people 
who don't live, eat, sleep, walk, talk, breathe wine all day. So there's a thing called phenolic ripeness. And whenever I'm interviewing the winemakers, we talk about this phenolic ripeness that everybody searches for as the holy grail. Explain to the listeners what phenolic ripeness is. Well, actually, to make it very simple and practical, if you walk into the vineyard and you take a berry off the bunch and you basically squeeze the the, the berry and you'll see the pip in the inside. Mm. And once that pip is brown, you know it's optimal ripe. Yes. If it's still got a greenish tinge in it, it's going to make green wine. You, yeah, yeah. Especially when you do reds and you over extract your, you know, when you do fermentation on the skins and so on, you'll you'll get more like a bitterness in the wine and not yes. that nice ripe juicy tannin. Yes. And um, if you look at with our region, you know, it's it's obviously warmer days, but every day at two o'clock the breeze picks up from the southern side. And I was like at eight o'clock in the evenings, like we say in Afrikaans, I came by your braai on set. It quiets down. And then also the temperature drops. And, and that helps that the plant basically goes into rest phase. And, and with all of that, that leans itself to, to a slower ripening. Mm. Um, so eventually, you know, we can produce a wine with a lower alcohol level without being green. Yes. So, I mean, when we get to taste of Shiraz, we don't produce like the um, places next to the coast, a very spicy peppery Shiraz. Mm. It's more like fruit-driven. You've got more earthy tones. and yeah. But but due to figuring out that we don't have to pick so ripe, the wines are actually quite elegant in style. Yes. And, it, and it complements the soil very well. Mm. So I, I believe you must always, you know, you must figure out your site and terroir. And then eventually you must create your product around, you know, nature, what you've got there to show the honestness of the site. Yeah. There was a, there's a famous old English saying from, I can't even, I must research it because I can't remember, but my grandfather always used to say, he was from Somerset and he used to say, the answer lies in the soil. Yeah. And it does. The yeah, answer absolutely. lies in the soil, whatever you're doing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, wine farming is just that. It's farming, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. That's are, where you put, make the wine. It's, yeah, exactly. So now, Lawrence, once you've ripened your – let's talk about your Chardonnay because I love it and, yeah. and I'm going to make everybody go and buy it. But once you've ripened your Chardonnay and you've tasted your berries and they're beautiful and they're fragrant and they're ready to eat, you can eat them off the vine, they're so nice. You harvest them. Do you hand harvest or do you machine? Now, everything on the farm is obviously hand-picked um, in small crates and all the grapes will be then transported by wagons to the cellar where we obviously chill the and grapes And you've got down. your own cellar on the farm. You don't do use have. anybody else's we cellar. We do have. And that's why we've got actually a state status on the label um, since two years ago. We, we felt that's important. It because is. Because I think it's quite confusing in the market when you go to these wine shows. Probably only 10% of the farms that's attending the shows really registered as a statewide. I know, and actually make their own wine. I mean, some of them, Lord knows what goes on in that winery. I mean, we shouldn't say that, but <laughs> you have no idea, really, unless you're there all the time with your own baskets and your own barrels. Yeah, eh? absolutely. I mean, we've just to explain to listeners as well, I mean, a state wine is grown in, all the vineyards or grapes must be grown and produced on the farm itself mm. and bottled. So that's what we do. And, I mean, on the farm itself, we've got a, Family operations, so you know we we love to 
make things more authentic and I mean we don't all have family, a, all family hands on deck hey? exactly and I mean if you look at my picking or the team on the farm it's a team that's been working with me for for the last seven eight years and um, you know they they've been there and they're the guys helping me to prune and select the grapes and also then processing through the winery mm. so it's quite a hands-on kind of approach that yes. we've got Yes, and when people come to the farm, you know, we want to show them that authenticity and and that they can just enjoy what f- uh, farm life is about. Yeah, and you've got on your farm, you've also got, you've got accommodation and stuff. I'm looking here online while I'm talking to you, and there's accommodation, and people can get married there, and they can do all this stuff. Tell me about the farm. Yes, so um, that's actually my wife's department, Lizelle. She operates the cottages. And yeah, we're not at all commercial. We we um, you know when people obviously call us and they group, we can sleep about sixteen people, and we've got oh, like okay. a communal area. Everyone can get together, but basically anything's possible on the farm on request. You know, we we adapt to every little situation. I love you, farmer boys. You know, <laughs> you are just all so cute. I don't think anybody in South Africa gives you enough credit for the unbelievable. There's no English word for it. It's just like yes. Yeah. There's just an amazing joie de vie that lives and exists and grows around those winelands. And I try and encourage as many people as possible to get to the winelands because and I try and encapsulate it in my in my interviews as well, because it's just such lack of hate. It's so nice there. You not only are you making smart wine, because I think that the wines of South Africa have come such a long way in the last 20 years. I was living in the UK and I came back here and and got back into the wine industry here and I thought, mm. I had these sort of memories of sort of ascetic, banana-y pinotages and very dry blank de blancs or whatever they call them and very chapterized steins and the wine was dreadful when I left here. And when I came back, it was just so different. And it's just it's just got progressively better and better and better. So I think you boys have all gone way above and beyond the call of duty to try and get this industry to a space that is world-class, absolutely world-class. And I'm not joking. The wines that you have got, I want to speak to, the, to, speak to you about the wines that you've got at the moment. You are producing what, Chardonnay? Shiraz, have you got a Bordeaux blend? Yeah, we do. It's all, I mean, my focus is obviously all single vineyard wines from a yeah. specific site on the farm. But I do have a range called the Inspirational Batch. Um, that's what I wanted to that's ask you actually, about. That's a range that started to basically showcase the diversity that we've got in the Robertson Wine Valley. Yeah. I mean, we've got amazing diversity when it comes to different soil types. And and at one stage, I ended up producing about 10 different wines under that specific label. and But I quickly realized that tasting becomes difficult when you have to present be, so yeah. many. So it becomes confusing yeah, for the... So basically, I've narrowed down the portfolio in that specific range to more than next door farm where, where I'm involved with... Um, the owners of the place, and we also have got my hands on the, you know, we have formed the land for them. And we've got kind of a partnership with um, the Chenin Blanc 
Wanneer, um, so ek kool het my inspiratiebed, Shane en Blanke, wanneer that's 27 years old, Delicious. that produces amazing wine, different wine that I've got on R and Sig, due is to it? the soil, the soil is more calcareous clay soil, so you tend to get wines that's quite rich, mm. the colour of the whites will be more yellowish, but it leans itself brilliant to a Shane. Um, I love that Shane. Yeah, and, and you can almost eat it. <laughs> but and the nice thing about the Shannon or Shannon grapes in Robertson itself, especially where we look at the due to our lower rainfall that's only 240 mils annually, you get like a, you can actually work with the botrytis through the process. And that adds to, you know, the uniqueness of that Shannon. And um, yeah, I've got also a Merlot in that range, a single vineyard block that Bram Oberol say helped us to develop um, via Vinpro when. We, we, we thought of planted, you know, planting some newer varietals. And I was quite excited that we could find a site for Merlot because it is a difficult It's varietal. a very difficult grape to find. And I tell you, it's now the eighth season from that block and I'm super excited. It produces really a nice juicy style of Merlot without being overripe. And there's nice complexity in the wine. Um so yeah, that's uh, that's why you know the, so I you're get bored quickly. So a single bottled Merlot, single variety in a bottle for Merlot. Yeah, single varietal. Okay. So my focus is one hundred percent single varietals, and the reason why I do that is because you start, you know, it takes a couple of seasons understanding the site and terroir, and for me it's a challenge without be able to then blend in anything into the wine to make a super wine from that site. Yes. And there's been occasions before that, you know, I'll work with a site and I see, listen, this is not going to work. Do so, you know? Yeah, and then, then you just stop make producing that wine. That's why we don't have a reserve range in our range. It's all equally priced because I believe you shouldn't make a half good wine then you shouldn't make it. Don't make it at so, all. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, try to, to absolutely focus on quality and, and bring through the the, the sight and, and, and the honesty of that in the wine. And yeah, that's why you, I'm never getting bored because every season is different and you have to adapt to that. And the Shiraz... Talk to me about your Shiraz. Is it northern, southern Rhone type? Because, I mean, it has to be one or the other because that's where the grape originates from. And I'm not saying that we're trying to emulate French Shiraz, but depending upon the soil types and the climate, you're either going to get that sort of peppery or that juicy fruity. Yeah, we've got more the juice and the fruit in this wine, I would say, and a little bit of the more like um, almost Feinboss kind of character, but with that nice red fruit showing through. Um, like I explained earlier, I mean, we, we're obviously not too far off the coast, so we get some of that influence, but due to our optimal ripeness that we get, you know, we don't sit with any green flavours in the wine. No. So, so there's no pepperiness that will show on the nose or that's too distinct. Yes. The wine is actually quite pleasant. You'll see it's a 2021 vintage. So we're able to show the wine quite young. Yes. But it's got such lovely bright fruit that it will mature into something, you know. And tell me, Lawrence, when you come to your oaking regimes, talk to me about oak. Because I never pick up huge oak on your wines, which I love. Yeah, you know, that's also something, you know, that I've started understanding better over the last couple of seasons. Um, Funny enough... The, you know, I'm actually starting to use more and more oak in the wines, but it's because I think we're starting to understand oak better, how to work with it and deal yeah. with it. Remember, if you put a wine that's super high in 
um, alcohol into oak, you over-extract. And if you look at our site, it leans itself to make wines with a lower alcohol, um, yes. wines that's more elegant, it's got mm. finesse. Mm. So actually the wines, they handle oak quite well. Mm. Um, so mm. you're not over-extracting. We're using oak purely for the fact to give more focus and, and elegance and tightness to the red wines yes. and some more longevity along the way. And so it's definitely an important component, but we're playing with – you know, I started out working with like 5 to maximum 10% in the wines. But obviously a varietal like my Cabernet Sauvignon handles a bit it more. It does, yeah. Um, so you need to know your varietals. And and, so and your Chardonnay? Do you barrel ferment or do you take ferment? The Chardonnay is whole bunch pressed. We only take the top quality juice, the first free run. Then it goes into about 70% of the wine will be concrete oval tanks. Oh, that lovely. brings nice mouthfeel to yeah, the wine due gorgeous. to the convection in the tank. Because they're very bl- bright and clean. And That's as what you say, they're mineral. I, I always try and explain to people, you know, we talk in silly terms, us wine people, <laughs> but and mineral. What does mineral mean? Mineral for me means that it's, um, it tastes like... Fresh rain on crusher stone smells. That's a good. If you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. just the most ridiculous thing. But yeah. that's that's my expression of of yeah. minerality. So it's got that, it's got that crusher, fresh crusher stone with new rain of the summer on it, and it's it's a nice clean smell. But it's but it's earthy as well. Yeah, it's but lovely. but also around that you want to build in hints of complexity and layers into the wine. So. With the concrete ovals, we also use um, a food rate tank. Do you? And I'll do some malatic fermentation on the wine. It's a secondary fermentation just to soften off some of the harsh acidities to give yes. the wine a bit more richness. And then the oak component will be proper new French oak barrels. That's and a when small do you portion. put it into oak? After that, will, fem- that will go straight in for barrel fermentation. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay. So, so we'll do, like I said, a small portion, about 5% like that just to add that something extra to the wine. And do you let... But without tasting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you let the little yeasty cells do their own thing or do you inoculate or what do you do? Um, we're fortunate in our area of our low rainfall, you know, so our disease um, ratio is quite low. So our special Chardonnay, it's 100% spontaneously fermented. Oh, lovely. And, yeah, they're, they're, I always say that spontaneous ferment adds Makes to... Makes a big difference yeah, it gives the mouth, your mouth feel a little bit more rich. I don't think people... Well, I think they are now, but I think in the past people haven't credited yeast with enough for the end result of what's in the bottle. Yeasts are very important to me. Yeah, I mean, it can influence your style yeah, quite completely. hugely. And, and why aren't Are there aren't living on the farm? Look, we've got this amazing, we're fortunate that the original family house on the farm, that's where my, uh, we're currently living in. And um, I mean, if you sit on our stoop, you overlook towards Langeberg Mountain. So most of the places in our valley is facing um, towards the n- northern side. Due to the southern breeze that blows every yeah. day. So it's always pleasant on the stoop. Um, you know, us farms, we're quite social, so we like our Brian to sit There's outside. There's nothing like an African so stoop. You, yeah, so if you sit there on the stoop and you overlook to the, those mountains, the eagle on the label that you see, it's almost like cropped like that. Yes. So it's this like two little 
karookopies, that shows, that sits left and right of Langeburg Mountain, so it creates this shape. Oh, that you so see. is so that the, the Arendt? Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're quite elevated from the river, so you sit high up on the scorpion, if you look towards that mountain, that's exactly what you see. So with the view, and obviously we do have a lot of uh, bird life on the farm, these fish eagles, a uh, couple of breeding pairs, and it's beautiful when they shout at morning yeah. times. But yeah, and that all resonates back to the name Arendtsuch. So eagles view in English, but we obviously Afrikaans Well, family. I'm sitting here opposite you in the studio, and without my glasses on, that label looks like the emblem of a new Bentley. Okay. <laughs> it's quite a classy yeah. thing, that, yeah. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. So if I find Lawrence sitting on his stoop at Arendtsuch, in the afternoon. Tell me about Lawrence's family. Well, Mrs. Lawrence is? What's her so name? So I've got, yeah, Lizelle van der Westeisen. That's my mm. wife. And we've been fortunate. Our firstborns were twin girls. Uh, oh, Maria wow. and Sophia. They now, um, they're turning nine this year in October. And then I've got... Um, what day is their birthday in October? They, the 17th of October. Oh, yeah, I'm so. also in October. All Librans, we're the best yeah. people. And they'll be able to taste wine. Yeah, no, they're quite passionate. I mean, they mm. like all food macies on the farm. <laughs> Good. And, and you've got little Hannah. Um, she's like, um, she thinks she's part of the twins. She's now Aww, six years so old. So you've got three Turning girls. To, yeah, yeah. You know what they say, hey, it takes a real man to make a girl. <laughs> yeah, so I'm fortunate. I mean, and, and it's just nice. I mean, even through COVID, we, it was so special living and exploring the farm. And yes, I'm sure. Yeah, so, so we're very blessed with that in the space that we've got. And do your folks stay on the farm still? My dad's still going. He's um, obviously retired, um, so so dad's not involved in the business sales anymore. My, I've got a younger brother, Franz Jan. He's nine years old. Ach, nine years younger than <laughs> I was one. Say, Sorry, that was nine a years, <laughs> nine years younger than what I am, and he's he's operating the fruit farm. Oh, fabulous! Yeah, but okay. he's farming on a groot brede, and I'm Arendsig, so. And yeah, we have to look after my dad. So Fantastic. So we're paying rent to the trust. Good, <laughs> so that's good. It. Yeah, so they love traveling and going around. And yeah, my dad never sits still. So he's always coming over for a little drink or Well, two. I think you can probably bear, bear testament to, this, to the fact, anybody who's thinking of buying a wine farm, maybe if you're lucky, the fifth or sixth generation reaps some of the profits of the farm. For the rest, it's just a big black hole that you pour money down, isn't it? Yeah, but you I have mean, a fabulous lifestyle. Fa farming is not about the money; it's about the lifestyle, and you must yes. have a passion in doing so. Otherwise, yes. it's not going to work. So now you have to. I'm going to pin you down. You have to tell me a favorite. I know that you love Chardonnay, and I know that you also like some of your reds. But when you're making wine, which is your favorite wine to make? Well. Um, there's obviously varietals that I do that's not like you often see in my portfolio, like Pinot, that's always a challenge. But I think the the nicest wine to make, just because you throw it around in the cellar and it's it, it works, it works. Let me guess and what that's, you're going to say, it's going to be Chenin Blanc. It's actually Chardonnay. Oh, no, yeah. really? Because um, Chardonnay, is so it's almost in a way forgiving. And in our valley, you know, you don't have to put any mask onto the varietal. It just no, works. it just works. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, I would say that's that's nice so you love working with the Chardonnay. When you drink your orange Chardonnay, you just know that there's a big love affair between you and that grape. You just know there is because it comes straight out of that bottle 
it's very loved, that wine, you know, and it's like gardening. If you shout at your roses and don't do what you spoke, they don't come out beautiful. They smell like nothing. There is a big love affair between you and your Chardonnay. And for me, everybody needs to have at least a case of orange Chardonnay in their cellar. It's delicious, Lawrence. It really, really is. I've been carrying on about it so much that we haven't given the listeners a list of what else they can get from you. So we've got a Shiraz, we've got a Chardonnay, we've got a Chenin Blanc, we've got a Pinot Noir, we've got a Merlot. Yeah, the Pinot Noir is quite hidden away. Nobody actually supposed to know about that. Your Pinot Noir uh, is actually your hooligan child. Everybody, uh, Pinot Noir is a hooligan. It's a difficult grape. It's a little bitch of a grape in the cellar. Some days it's moody. It's a bit sort of, you know, it's like a pre-menstrual teenager. It's a dreadful thing, that Pinot Noir. And then all of a sudden one day she just blooms into the most gorgeous Delicious thing that you've ever tasted. That's in your such whole a life. great description. You just no, it <laughs> is. It's the Peter. most temperamental <laughs> teenage girl ever yeah. in the whole cellar. So your your Pinot Noir is not necessarily readily available. No, it's I do it only in in, in exceptional vintages. Yeah, and I see you know we able to pull off something nice. So, yeah, there's, there's a 2021 20, vintage sitting actually in the cellar currently. But, yeah, I made like two pallets of it. So it's quite a tiny little production. And if me or any of my business people wanted to come and visit you at Arensich, are you open for tastings? We only open by appointment. And the reason for that is that we give you a real experience, you know. So I do the tastings mainly myself. Um, so people can contact us um, on the website. All the info is clearly there. I mean, we've yes. our details. So you can email us on info at arensig.co.za or admin or I'm Lawrence at arensig.co.za. And yeah, the website is obviously arensig.coza. So they can okay. go and check that out. The accommodation, the info of that is also on the website itself. Here in Johannesburg, we do have spirits and bubbles, so they carry some stock. So if you're in a hurry to get a case, they can quickly sort you out. Okay, good. So, yeah, so but otherwise we also we also do deliver. You can check out the prices on the website, okay. but they're very simple. They're all line priced. Uh, there's okay, no cheap nice or and more. easy. Yeah, easier. Fantastic. Lawrence, you're just another one of the jewels in our Venus crown. You make fabulous wine. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you. you for coming and doing an interview at the Business Studios. I know that you boys don't like Johannesburg. So I'm very, very happy when somebody phones and says, we've got a winemaker and I've got a real live Lawrence in my studio rather than on that screen and over yeah. a Riverside link and, and, and. It's lovely to have you. Thank you for coming. Oh, thanks me. for having me. Awesome. We're going to go and taste those wines now and then I'm going to write about them in my newsletter, I think. Great, thanks. Cheers, thank you so much.